Welcome to Lead Up Katie Cast. Christopher Bailey here, Assistant Principal at Morton Ranch Junior High, and I'm joined with my podcasting partners in crime, Dr. Jake LeBlanc, Principal at Katie Junior High, and Mark McCord, Principal at Stock Dick Junior High. And I'm really excited to welcome special guest, KDISD Superintendent, Dr. Lance Hint. Welcome, Dr. Hint. Thanks for being here. Absolutely. Glad to be here. All right. So we're going to get right into our topic today. With every organization, uh, in order to be effective and efficient, there must be a clear vision and purpose and a set of principles articulated by the leader. And there's no more important place than here in public schools, right? So we're fortunate to have a superintendent uh, who's here to build on that tradition of great leadership that we've had in KDISD Mm -hmm. with a vision that's kid-centered and a set of non-negotiables, which we're going to talk about today, to guide his decision-making. Um, so before we get started with the non-negotiables, Dr. Hent, why don't you talk to us a little bit about Be the Legacy? What does that mean to you uh, in being the legacy here in KDISD? Uh, perfect. You know, it's unfortunate that I think there are a few folks that might misunderstand what Be the Legacy is. It's not about having a building named after you. It's about making the difference or a difference in the lives of students and in the lives of coworkers. I uh, had an interview yesterday with a young lady who was working on her, um, you know, mid-management certification, and she asked me the same question. And I said, how long have you been in education? She says, oh, I've been doing it now about 10 years. And I said, okay, so 30 years from now, what do you want your legacy to be? 30 years from now, what do you want one of your former students to say about you at the dinner table? And I think we all have that one teacher, two teachers, three teachers, a coach, or somebody that we can talk about right now that made a difference in your lives. I grew up in Katy. I can tell you right now, Coach T, who has a school named after him, made a difference in my life. Lester Reinecker made a difference in my life. Wayne Atkinson made a difference in my life. Glenda Tynes made a difference in my life. They don't have schools named after them, Mm -hmm. but they have made a legacy that stands today. So that's that's what I want most people to focus about as far as what's your legacy going to be years from now. There's positive legacies, and unfortunately, there's negative legacies. Mm -hmm. You're going to create a legacy one way or the other, right? So you betcha. Might as well be a positive one. You bet. Really, it really makes me think uh, of a of a word. Uh, and that would be impact, you know, yep. and, and really having an impact on people uh, and, and having them uh, move forward. And, and really, hopefully, it's a positive impact, obviously, that, like you said, it's a positive legacy. You know, one of the things that, that we really appreciated uh, here in Katy, whenever uh, you, uh, you led convocation, you know, you, uh, you painted this, this picture for us. Uh, you tied into your, your legacy and what that meant to you. Uh, but you also laid out five non-negotiables. And, you know, I, I really uh, somehow I stumbled on that as an interview question a couple of years back. You know, what is what, what things are your non-negotiables? And I think it's a real telling thing about people whenever they really reflect on that. What are the things that are really non-negotiable to me? So, um, you know, I know that uh, when we talked, you know, principals talk and uh, administrators talk. And one of the things that we really appreciated was the clarity that you gave through your non-negotiables. And so uh, we're going to dig into that a little bit here, if that's okay. All right, fantastic. So the first two uh, had a strong connection to learning. The first uh, non-negotiable is that, you know, student learning would improve. And then the second one was that uh, professional learning would improve. And, you know, I think uh, as I was listening to you and as I processed it in the days that followed, 
you know, I, I, I know that most everyone would, you know, obviously, well, student learning improving, that's, that's kind of what people see as the purpose of schools, but they don't always see that clarity and the need for the professional learning. So I'm interested in, uh, in why you would put that at, at the same level, that same high pro- priority of a non-negotiable to have professional learning also improve. Absolutely. You know, that's what we do. And I said it at convocation that our number one emphasis is advancing knowledge in the classroom with our kids. Mm-hmm. But in order to do that, we also have to hone our skills. We, we have to advance in our professional development. Perfect example is, you know, no longer are we dealing with millennials. We have centennials in our classroom. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. But none of Great us point. are centennials. Right. All right. And learning has changed just in the last five years. Technology has brought a new dynamic to the classroom. And if we don't keep up with the skill set of our kids or the needs of our kids, then they're not going to get the education that they deserve. So I'm a firm believer that in order for student learning in a classroom to improve, we must, as you said, it works hand in hand, we must have a robust staff development Uh, process that we can get our teachers and our central office staff and everybody on the same page you've heard you know getting all the arrows going in the same Mm -hmm. direction but uh, being able to meet the needs of today's kids Mm -hmm. not the kids of 10 or 15 or 20 years ago that's it It makes me think of uh, I was talking to a kid last week and he said in lunchtime lunch duty favorite third of the day um, <laughs> the, uh, and uh, he says Mr. Bailey when were you born I said I was born in the 1900s he goes whoa yeah. you know they don't think about that you know being that far beyond but it also makes me think you know uh, about how kids learn you know it doesn't matter how great of technicians we are how much knowledge we have as adults if we're not teaching the way kids learn it doesn't matter, right? Because they're not getting the information. So we have to get into those mediums uh, that, that they're learning through mm-hmm. uh, if that's going to work. And that's going to come by professional development. Being okay to use uh, new, mm-hmm. new sources of information and, mm-hmm. and new ways of, of delivering that information if it's going to be um, useful for kids. And that just kind of makes me think uh, immediately about the, the distinction that's made so often between where students are relative to technology and where most adults are. Uh, we're immigrants. They're natives. That's right. I've got a four-year-old niece that has never not had a digital uh, something in her hands, right. and she can manipulate anything mm-hmm. you put yep. in front of yep. her. They're and, fearless, and, and that's that's a perfect point. Here's right. the deal. You know, the, the, the definition of a teacher has changed. Right, right. Really, mm-hmm. we're facilitators because mm-hmm. kids can gain all of the information they need mm-hmm. at a push right of a there. button right, right. immediately within seconds, whereas mm-hmm. once upon a time, I think at least three mm-hmm. of us, maybe not you. <laughs> uh, Thank you for that. We were taught based upon uh, regurgitated information, right. lecture-based mm-hmm. instruction. Mm-hmm. And uh, teachers yeah, today... They have to facilitate learning in the classroom and let kids explore themselves and engage themselves in their subject matter. And the other piece to that, as you know, you mentioned the professional development for teachers, leaders need the same thing. I find myself uh, continuing to grow. Mm -hmm. Uh, Twitter was something that I started a couple of years ago Mm -hmm. with uh, Jimmy Casas and him coming through the district. I was so excited, so enthralled by it. Then I started really getting some really negative tweets, mm-hmm. and I'm like, "Oh my God, there goes my mm-hmm. job!" So <laughs> I shut it down. 
and I, you know, I, uh, Jimmy has collaborated with us quite a bit, and I've talked personally with him. Mm-hmm. He's like, man, you cannot do that. And there was a funny situation that occurred that kind of reinforced, you know, hey, this happens to everybody. Mm-hmm. So anyway, uh, long story short, using it now, uh, it's just a main source of learning for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, through the the uh, pod the podcasting world is a new uh, platform, mm-hmm. but there are so many awesome ed chats that you mm-hmm. can become involved with with right. folks from all over the world, not just here within Katie. We've got some awesome resources in Katie, but it is so easy for us to you know reach out to anyone about anything and have automatic information, and that's and that's a perfect segue to that. Third non-negotiable. And that's what I was about to bring up. I appreciate you you, you, you pointing that out and and keeping me on track. You're you're just like the other guys. Thanks, Dr. Hent. Uh, Your third non-negotiable was having high-performing collaborative teams. Talk a little bit about that. You know what? You know, I was a social studies teacher, and if I had it my way, when I was teaching U.S. history, I would have spent nine months on the Civil War. <laughs> That's what I wanted to teach. That's your love passion the Civil yeah. War. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I just, and I could get the kids engaged with it, you know. Yeah. But I also had to tell, teach, you know, World War One, World War Two, and all those <laughs> other parts of U.S. history that mm-hmm. you had to incorporate in there. But I knew that on that team that we had, I had a couple of teachers that loved the U.S. You know, mm-hmm. loved uh, World War One, World mm-hmm. War Two, mm-hmm. and if we all could sit at a table and develop lessons and instruction and mm-hmm. methods of teaching that, you know, honed in on each of our strengths mm-hmm. and did shared models of learning, not only with the kids but with each other, then it would only help the kids in the mm-hmm. long run. So that's what I mean by being collaborative. No longer can we shut a classroom door, grab a worksheet out of a file cabinet, and throw it on the table and sit down and. Those days are long gone, although I think all of us probably experienced that right, at some time sure. or another in our uh, our education uh, growth. But, uh, you know, I want, our, I want our folks to collaborate with each other. And, and, and in order to do that, though, you also have to have find time. For right. It. You guys know I'm married to a teacher, so I go home <laughs> and hear that perspective. Right. Keeps you grounded, day. right? Oh, yeah. by, by all means. <laughs> in order to expect our teachers to work collaboratively, we have to find times. And as principals, you know, we can be really creative with how we do that. And I like principals having some autonomy to do yeah. some things uh, at their campuses that uh, best meets the needs of their staff and their kids. Well, it really is nice when uh, the new man comes in and, and basically gives us permission, not 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 just you know hey you can, but it's a, it's a baseline expectation. We've all had professional learning communities in our buildings for some years. The divorce came through a few years ago and kind of uh, introduced us to that whole mm-hmm. dynamic. But we've all done it in our own way, uh, and, and it's still going, that's universal, but uh, just the permission that you're giving us, you know, time is impossible, there's never enough yeah. in, in a given day. Uh, so we have to take time and make time to create opportunities, as you said, for our teachers to to lean on one another and, and, and nurture and learn from one another and then use that expertise in the best way possible. And that uh, we do do things at this particular school, and I'm sure all campuses are the same. We have professional development days where I'll take a, a grade level in an apartment, mm-hmm. and that's all they do is plan with their instructional coach. Yeah. Uh, so it is a, it's a luxury that we have here in Katy with instructional yeah. coaches, but it's also 
very heartening to hear you say, look, yeah. this is something, this is how we grow. Yeah, uh, and I'll tell you what, we'll find ways to take the next step and the next step. You know, you can have math teachers working with social studies right. teacher, ELA yeah. with science. You mix it up, cross-curriculum right. and instruction mm-hmm. and helping to develop those lessons, it can go a long way. You can have your campus working with your campus, right, you know, and, and mm-hmm. the, uh, the vertical planning and all that good stuff. I mean, there's there's so much we can do. We just need to, you know, we have to have the flexibility to do it. And, and as a leader, we had to have the permission. Not to say that that permission has never been granted, but this non-negotiable allows us mm-hmm. the freedom right. that, it, for me to call becomes, Mark and say, look, buddy. It becomes an expectation. Absolutely. Right. So, you know, help, help me out with this and let me help you with that. What, so. what I thought was really powerful that you just said was uh, the nature of your interplay as a team. You know, you, you brought something to the, to the plate and your passion was about Civil War and other members of the team had different passions. And you were talking a little bit about the, the practice and, and how you were going to bring that to the kids. And so often, uh, you know, I taught for 13 years, so and I was part of a lot of different levels of teams, some very high-performing and some that were great models for a team you don't want to be a part of, right? Because that's just <laughs> the way it happens sometimes. Uh, but that, uh, that idea that it's not just about delegation, it's not just about, you know, Dr. Hint, you run the, you run the copies, and Brother Bailey, you go input the lesson plans. Yeah. And, and you go, you know, it's all about really talking about how we're going to get this across to kids and how we're going to take care of uh, having these high-quality, engaging experiences for our students. It's a very different kind of focus from who's going to do what piece of the work. That's important, too, but that's not what makes a high-performing team. You bet. And if we're really going to get into the highest caliber of of collaboration, then we we get that parent involved in the decision-making for their kid as well, too, right? I mean... The, the lines are very blurred nowadays where the, where the school stops, you know, in terms of, of educating the kid and where the, the family starts parenting the kid. I mean, it's a, it's a group, it's a, you know, it's, a, it's a, a collaboration that has to take place if we're going to move kids to where they need to be. And uh, whatever the family dynamic is, the, the mom, the dad, the grandfather, the uncle, whoever that person is, the adult in this kid's life, has to be a part of the decision-making process. Uh, both curricular, curricularly and socially and, and uh, in all ways. And, and I think that uh, in a lot of ways we're, we're, we're moving towards a better better model of doing that in our Absolutely, in our and, and that, that's a great point because with the use of technology that we have today that will be much different a year from now, more <laughs> advanced, the parent and those at home are part of that collaborative right. team. Mm-hmm. They have yeah. to be part of it. The old saying, it takes a village. You know, we can do our part on our end, and then we have to expect that they're going to do their part on their end as well. Right. Before we leave this, you know, Brother Chris, you brought up an awesome point with the parent, obviously. But but then another point, and uh, we had the occasion uh, here just recently, John Hattie was in the district with his meta-analysis of his, of his effective uh, strategies research. And we can't leave out the student mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. a partner in that education piece or the the voice Uh, and there was some very powerful uh, research that he's done that pinpoints and just accentuates the fact that the more students are engaged and involved in their learning Mm -hmm. the more progress they're going to make right Right. and they've never had the platforms that they have today to further their own progress Mm -hmm. ever before Mm -hmm. and it's only going to get more exciting as the years progress so uh Excellent point relative to parents, but we, we also, we've got to include the students because it's they're our customer. Yep. No doubt. So moving right along to the next non-negotiable, Dr. Hint, you talked about 
uh, having that servant leader's heart. And uh, we, we did a podcast before about that and uh, had Miss um, Fox uh, on to talk about what it means to be a servant leader. And, and I think she's one in our mm-hmm. community that embodies that work. Uh, but talk to us a little bit about that customer service oriented um, uh, you know, heart and, and leadership style that, that you want to bring to the district and how that looks on our campuses. You bet. You know, I, I said that we have to have quality internal and external customer service. I think sometimes we forget that we are in the service industry. Sure. We really are. We serve kids first and foremost. We serve parents. We serve a community. We serve each other. Mm-hmm. And uh, we must never forget that because it's that type of relationship. And if you really look at my non-negotiables, if you really want to sum it up in one word, it's a relationship. Mm-hmm. All right, we're developing relationships with kids, with parents, with community, mm-hmm. and in order to 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 you know establish a high-performing collaborative unit, you have to have relationships. Right. So I'm a firm believer in treating people with dignity and respect. I'm a firm believer in valuing every single person's role in the organization. You know, we've got 9,000 plus employees here and they run the gamut. You know, we have paraprofessional staff, we have bus drivers, we have uh, contract employees, we have teachers, you name it. But every single one of them plays a significant role in the value of this school district. The very first one, and you've heard this before, a kid sees a bus driver for the mm-hmm. most part the first time mm-hmm. in the morning it, and right. when they get off the set bus. Set the tone, right? Uh, you bet. Mm-hmm. And, and how we set that tone early and how we set it throughout the day can make a world of difference in your life, my life, and in a student's life. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I, I did a, a blog uh, post here very recently. It talked about the, uh, the awkwardness from leading from the bottom. This kind mm-hmm. of a, rather than uh, the principal or the superintendent sitting at the top of the pyramid, we're kind of at the very bottom and we're you know, supporting from beneath. And yeah. uh, that can be a challenge, but that's, that is our role as educators. I think that, that sort of uh, captures that. That idea. So your your final non-negotiable was really related to uh, making sure we had a safe learning environment for all all folks. And yeah. uh, I think that most people their their mind goes uh, straight to physical safety, which of course is very critical. I mean, we that is the utmost mo- you know it's the most important thing. We wouldn't need everybody to be physically safe. Uh, but the the other reality that comes in that's maybe a little more subtle is this sort of this emotional safety and, mm-hmm. and how important that is for staff and for students. So talk to us a little bit about. Uh, your feeling, and how do we how do we give learners that uh, that true feeling of emotional safety, yeah. not just physical safety? You know, not, not to belabor it, but it's the relationships. You right. know, here's the deal: we have the students that come into this school, Katie Junior High, are here more than they are at home. They spend more time in this building, seven hours mm-hmm. a day, eight hours a day, in some cases, even more than that. And, you know, we have to provide them with a safe, secure environment, both physically but emotionally also. And a lot of times, unfortunately, in today's reality, this is their safety net. This is where they come for that. So we we don't want to stain that. We don't want to uh, ruin that. Unfortunately, in today's reality, though, we do have outside things Mm -hmm. that can physically harm our kids. And that's why I said at Convocation... We have to be vigilant every second of every minute of every hour of every day because all it takes is a split second, you know, for something to happen. And it doesn't just influence one person. It influences an entire population of students. It influences an entire population of employees. So I just want to make sure that we're always on our toes, Mm -hmm. per se. 
with that. My my other thought in terms of that safety is the is the social safety that that we create and mm-hmm. and really you know we can we can give kids rules and 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 guidelines and consequences mm-hmm. and the whole bit and and the reality is at the end of the day the kids are going to decide. Uh, what is socially acceptable mm-hmm. on campus, mm-hmm. you know, and, and so that's where I think our work in building student leaders is, is so important. You know, mm-hmm. uh, the uh, the student leadership group that, that you uh, that you see every day and that, that or the, every month or I'd love to see them every day. Really, be uplifting. But you know, the, that that group being ambassadors for our for our uh, you know for our campuses and getting that student voice. Um, I used to talk when I was a band director a lot to my student leaders about making making socially acceptable those things in which you want to see you know if you want to see kids um, you know showing up late to rehearsal then you're going to create the environment where that's socially acceptable if you want to make it uh, where kids show up on time and are, and are prepared you're going to do that I can give them a consequence all day long I can tell them you're not going to march to the football game or whatever else but when you make it socially acceptable that's the power uh, and whatever we want to do uh, you know in our schools is going to come from that voice um, and, and I think it's important to, important to know that we have to build that capacity in our kids uh, to be able to make those socially acceptable decisions whenever it gets tough to not. Yeah. And that's the character. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, that's what we're really trying to instill in these kids mm-hmm. is character. Sure. Mm-hmm. All right. Good, positive, strong, influential character that spills over to the other kids on campus. And, uh, you know, I said this and I say it all the time. It's our job to provide a kind, caring, loving, nurturing, structured environment. Mm-hmm. So as kids progress through our system, we help to develop them socially, emotionally, physically, and intellectually. I mean, mm-hmm. there are a lot of people that will argue that's not our job, mm-hmm. the social and emotional, right. but it is. It's the whole, that's it's the whole child. It's yeah. the whole bet. individual. It's our jobs yeah. to develop those kids. So then when they walk out of here, they're productive citizens in our society, whatever direction they go, and they represent KDISD mm-hmm. with character. Well, right? We know those soft skills are the things that really pay off uh, mm-hmm. sometimes more than the other things oh, yeah. that people think are the most important. You know, the ability to collaborate and get along and to lead and have integrity yep. when your boss is not looking over your shoulder, right? That's right. But this is what we started with. Mm-hmm. I mean, we talked about what do we want our legacy to be. Right. But B, the legacy applies to kids, too. Absolutely. What do they want their legacy to be when they exit our buildings? And that's what our job is, is to help influence them in the direction that they need to go. And not to harp on that that research, but it was so fresh in my mind with Hattie, and I just shared it with my faculty uh, prior to coming coming to do the podcast. Relationships, we, we talk about it all the time, and Brother Mark and Brother Chris and I, we, we're all – of one accord. I'm Brother Lance. Right? Brother Lance. Uh, yeah. I haven't heard it yet. Big I'm waiting there. for an Thanks amen. Big Brother Lance. <laughs> brother Hint. That's right. There you go. But I mean, it, it's in his top 25. Uh, the the effect size of his, of his metacognitive metacognitive uh, research is four, 0.40, uh, meaning anything any strategy that measures that high is going to be a, equal a year's worth of growth in a, mm-hmm. in a child if done with fidelity and incorrectly. Relationships are a 0.72. That's mm. almost double mm-hmm. the effect size. So mm-hmm. there's no there's no end uh, to the effect that just the simple, like you said, the mm-hmm. soft skills and the, the things that we do to build beyond the, the core curriculum, the academics. And, and I'll never forget, Mike Moses was uh, uh, the 
Commissioner of Education. Education at the time. I was in Huntsville ISD. That gentleman came and spoke spoke to us to kind of kick off our year. Mm-hmm. And he made the statement. It was the funniest thing. He's like, you know, I'm a father. Uh, I'm a superintendent. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've got kids in schools. And, uh, you know, parents will forgive you if you don't teach their kids every single piece of that curriculum that Mm-hmm. They're designed to have taught that particular year or that particular six weeks or whatever, but let something happen to them and you'll never be forgiven. That's mm-hmm. right. So it kind of, you know, bleeds back into what you were saying. We're, we're responsible for so many things uh, and it goes so far beyond curriculum. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's a daunting task, but that's what we got into this mm-hmm. business for. And it's the most rewarding and satisfying thing in the world, uh, especially when when you see those connections being made and, mm-hmm. and you see the smiles on students' faces uh, and just, you know, success. Yep. Mm-hmm. At whatever level success means to each and every single one of these kids, and it means something different for most every one of them. Right. Uh, yeah. But there's something uh, each and every one of them can do, mm-hmm. and that's, that's, what we're, that's what we're about. That's what we're building for, and it's, that's what we appreciate so much. Uh, you just basically just laying out Here's what I expect. Here's here's where we're headed, and it's very gratifying. Yeah. Uh, personally, you know, uh, as I drive around the school district, I'm still learning where all these schools are. But my <laughs> my boss, B.J. Alvarez, is plugged in <laughs> every principal's picture, name, uh-huh. and their campus mm-hmm. site. Right. And I'll map quest it, mm-hmm. and I'll get six routes, maybe sometimes, how to get there. Those are like kids. From mm-hmm. the first day they walk into our building, there could be six mm-hmm. routes that they can right. take. And it's our job to help yeah. them find the best route. Right. All right. Mm-hmm. And, and each of them, you can have six kids that have six different routes, but right. that's mm-hmm. what we do. Mm-hmm. We it. help them find the end. You know? We are MapQuest. There yes, we, we are. All right, Brother Hint, you talk about strategic planning. Give us an idea of what your plan is for Katie and how it's going to be developed. Absolutely. You know, I, I, I am a collaborative leader. I, uh, I'll never forget when they named me the loan finalist and several of the news groups wanted to ask me. Immediately they asked me, what are your goals for the district? Mm-hmm. Where do you want this district to be? And I looked them straight at them. I said, it's not about Lance Hunt. Mm-hmm. All right? It's about a community. It's about a community of educators, a community of kids, a community of parents the whole community of Katy. And where does that whole community want KDISD to be two years from now, five years from now, 10 years from now? This is a great school district. By all means, one of the highest performing school districts in the state of Texas. And I'm not just talking about in the classroom. I'm talking in the Mm co-curricular, extracurriculars. You can find success in every nook and cranny of KDISD. But again, I'll fall back in the old history teacher if we get complacent, mm-hmm. we'll find ourselves behind the eight ball. And in order not to get complacent, we need to find out where do we want to be, you know? Uh, I can't tell you where we want to be. As I'm starting to look at some of the different data sets in the district, you know, I have some ideas, but I think collectively we can have a whole bunch of ideas. Mm-hmm. So strategic planning to me is getting a group of people together, just like I mentioned, parents, uh, teachers, you know, administrators, students, community leaders, mm-hmm. business leaders, mm-hmm. and sitting down and spending some time. And we talk about our strengths, and then we spend a lot of time trying to find those weaknesses. 
Are there some weaknesses? Are there some areas for growth in this school district? And once we find those areas of growth, then we, I mean, those, those areas that we can grow, then we start developing a plan of how can we increase growth in those areas while not falling back on some of the things that we're already doing really well because you can't have one or the other. You have to maintain all. So, you know, right now we're in the process of interviewing some outside groups. I do believe that this needs to be facilitated almost like you would with a, a school bond. Mm -hmm. You have an outside non-biased individual come in and facilitate the process. I'm going to tell you it's not an easy process. Mm -hmm. I've been through it twice before. And uh, it's, it's a six-month to a year process. But once you have that finished product, you have an outline. And notice I call it an outline because it's subject to change over a period of time. But you come back, you constantly review it, and what it does, it gives you goals, it gives you actions to shoot for, mm -hmm. and then you have direction. I talked to you all a little bit about that map quest. Mm -hmm. It's a map quest for KDISD. Where do we want to end right. up? You know? Growth is sometimes messy too, right? It's oh, not, you it's bet not a, it is. It's not a straight line. It's not straight nope. down I-10 to get there. Believe me, we'll all have to wash our hands when it's all said and done. Well, Dr. Hen, I, I really appreciate it. I know I speak for the other guys as saying I appreciate you spending the time with us this, this afternoon. And uh, we're really excited about your leadership and, and what you bring to our community and, uh, and continue to, to look forward to working with you and learning from you and, and learning more about how we can serve kids. So thanks for being here. Well, I appreciate it. And, and know that goes both ways. I learn every day just having opportunities to visit with you guys. So Brother Mark, Brother Jake, and Brother Chris, <laughs> it has been a pleasure. Awesome. All right. All right. Thank well, you. And thank you guys for listening. You can find us on iTunes Podcast, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Just search for Lead Up Katie Cast. We'll see you next time. Take care.